G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. We all have an emotional side and an attitudinal side. And the sooner that this emotional attitudinal side can line up to God's purposes, the better off we will all be. We're going to learn more about these things of comfort, sorrow, repentance, and joy as we continue to learn 2 Corinthians. Our series is entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. We're focusing on 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 to 11. And what we're going to see here is, first of all, that the theme of 2 Corinthians has to do with what is called vindication, where somebody is cleared of all charges or they are proven right after all. Paul is in that situation. Most of the time in our ministries, we need not have to defend ourselves or answer critics or be in a position of vindication. Most of the time we don't, but there's those exceptional times where we really have no choice. We have to say something. We have to respond. That's where Paul was in 2 Corinthians. But in his response to defend who he was as God's apostle to Corinth and to the world, and to defend his actions, what he did, which were all motivated by the love of God, in the midst of all this come some real pearls of insight of wisdom, of sound doctrine. We've learned a lot of doctrine already in 2 Corinthians, and we'll learn some more too. So it's a deeply personal epistle. That's why this series is entitled Heartfelt and Inspired. So what do we learn in this passage, 2 Corinthians 7, 6 to 11? We learn that God is in the comforting business. Some people very simplistically and erroneously think that God is in the judgment business, that somehow he doesn't want to do anything else but judge people for their sins. Well, that's really not the way God operates. He is love, he's kind and glorious in everything he does, but he has standards. Now, some people hate standards, and that's why they rebel against anything that comes even remotely towards the ways of God. But standards are fantastic because they give us something to live by, and they ensure much higher quality of outcomes and of life than anything else. God has standards, but he does come for people even when they miss the mark. He does it because he loves. His comfort comes straight from the Holy Spirit, but we learn his comfort comes through people. As we'll learn, it'll come through Titus. Titus comforted the Corinthians during his visit, then he comforted Paul and the apostles when he reported on the Corinthians' positive, penitent response. Then we learn that the cause of the sorrow came from Paul's epistle. Now, 
Paul's epistle, 1 Corinthians in this case, brought conviction, conviction of sin. And some people think conviction is the same as condemnation. Now, nothing could be further from the truth. Condemnation brings judgment, but conviction brings repentance, which brings life, blessing, God's comfort, and every good and perfect gift. Never confuse the two, because when people are used of God to bring conviction to a wayward person, that person may say, you're condemning and judging me. No, they're not. They're trying to help you avoid being judged altogether. And therefore, we have what is called two types of sorrow. We have worldly sorrow, which means, I'm sorry I got caught, and we have godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And so, we need to have the godly sorrow because repentance brings salvation and revival. And this, of course, once people repent, not only do the apostles rejoice, as Paul did in this epistle, But the angels in heaven are rejoicing as well. It's almost like party time when somebody turns around for God. Never confuse godly sorrow with earthly sorrow. We should be sorry we offended God, not because we got caught. Let us now look at the passage at hand. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 to 11. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 to 11. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be repented or regretted of. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 to 11. Friends, what do we learn from all this? First of all, we get back to the glorious principle that was first enunciated in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, where he's called the God of all comfort. Let me read to you those three verses. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. People tend to think God only lives to be angry and to judge. This is a very distorted, warped, and one-eyed view. We learn that God is love, and anyone who knows the Bible and walks with God will understand he is the kindest being that exists in this universe. And he delights in mercy, and he's full of loving kindness, compassion, and mercy. In fact, he is called here 
the Father of mercies. So God wants to comfort us, but we have to be positioned to be comforted of Him. It's hard for Him to comfort us when we are rebelling against Him and rejecting Him, His Son, His gospel, and His grace. But once we have received these glorious things, then we are candidates for God's comfort. And this comfort is so copious, so abundant, so wonderful. It is the overflow that is spoken of in the 23rd Psalm. I believe it's verse 5. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. What an amazing description of the baptism and fullness of the Holy Spirit, which brings anointing, which brings all the good and perfect gifts of God, and which brings overflow. Out of the overflow, we are able to comfort others with the very same comfort we received from God. We in ministry are very used to comforting people. At the same time, part of the comfort may include conviction. And again, as I said earlier, don't confuse conviction with condemnation. Conviction actually will help avoid condemnation and judgment. But the lack of conviction will lead a person headlong, maybe even to a head on crash or collision with judgment and condemnation. Conviction is from God. Conviction is a healthy thing. Conviction is basically saying you're going the wrong way. Turn around, go this way. Then you will get to your desired haven. That's why we need such comfort. And this is what God does, and he does it very, very well. But he does it directly from the Holy Spirit, and he also does it through his vessels. So as we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, that God is going to use himself and others to comfort. So in the midst of trials and tribulations, just remember God's comfort shines brightly. God comforts the downcast and uses whoever he wants. In the case of this epistle, it will be Titus who will be used. When Titus visited Corinth at the behest of the apostles, he brought comfort simply because of his arrival. And then, of course, not just his presence, but his words, his ministry, brought added comfort to the church at Corinth. Then, there was even more comfort when he reported to the apostles on the Corinthians, that they had an earnest desire, that they had mourning for their sin, and they had zeal for Paul. At least, that was the case with the majority of Corinthians. When Paul heard this good report from Titus, he rejoiced and, of course, was very much comforted. So it almost is a wonderful, godly chain reaction. Titus was comforted. Titus went to Corinth. He comforted the Corinthians. The Corinthians responded in the right way. They comforted Titus. Then out of the overflow of Titus's comfort, he tells Paul, and Paul is strengthened therein. Wonderful. Now, let's go to verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 7. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. So what is the apostle saying here? The cause of sorrow. If Paul's epistle to the Corinthians made them sorrowful because of their sin, then he doesn't regret that. In fact, none of us should regret that. If we speak to people and they repent, sure, there may be some tears and some discomfort initially, but like the antiseptic that is killing the germs and staving off the infection. There's no sorrow when that happens. That is a good thing for the individual involved because sorry and repentance 
go hand in hand, or should go hand in hand, if it's a godly kind of sorrow. We're going to learn there's two types, one sorrow that leads to life and the other sorrow that leads to death. So the cause of the sorrow was Paul's letter, and he doesn't regret making the sorrowful, although in one sense he did. I mean, nobody likes to needlessly upset people or even upset people when it is needful. It's not nice when we love people and want to comfort them and to see them melt like blubber because they have, well, they've done the wrong thing. Yes, it's a little unsettling, but it's healthy. It's glorious. It's life from the dead, and that we don't repent of, as Paul learned. So, The conviction of the Holy Spirit may bring some sorrow, but in the end is going to bring nothing but pure joy. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9, the cause for rejoicing. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. There's a lot said in this verse. Because Paul is talking about two contradictory things. First, he's talking about sorrow, and then he's talking about rejoicing. When you have the wrong kind of sorrow, it leads to death. When you have the right kind of sorrow, it leads to life and rejoicing and peace and love and all the good things from God himself. Therefore, he says, if I've made you sorry in a good way that leads to repentance, I rejoice because you're going to be better off for it. Now, being made sorry in a godly manner is so good because you won't lose anything, not from us or from anyone else. You're in very, very good hands. All right, so cause of rejoicing is that they sorrowed in a godly sort. Now, if there is a verse to pay attention to in this lesson, it is verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 7. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. I hope we can get this very, very clear. Two types of sorrow are spoken of here. The two types of sorrow mean two different outcomes. There is the good sorrow, what we call godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is like what David exhibited when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet on his killing of Uriah the Hittite and his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. And Nathan said to him, you are the man. And David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Amazing. He didn't just sin against Uriah, who he had killed. He didn't just sin against Bathsheba. He didn't just sin against his family. He didn't even just sin against his nation by his terrible moral example. He sinned against God. And so, the fact is, he showed godly sorrow, and Nathan said, your sin has been put away, you shall not die. Because ultimately, that's what sin does. It's lethal. It kills. So, godly sorrow leads us to repentance, to salvation, and you never have to repent of that. Now, please understand, people who repent and receive salvation in Christ may have to repent after salvation anytime they get off track. But they don't have to, uh, nor should they ever repent from the fact that they said yes to the gospel of Jesus in the first place. That leads to the other type of sorrow. It's called worldly sorrow. It's the type that Esau exhibited, where even though he's meant to be macho and a man's man, when he found out he was losing the blessing because of his, shall we say, carnality, 
his fornication and all the rest, he cried and he cried and he cried. But tears do not necessarily mean repentance. Tears can mean remorse, or it can mean, I'm sorry I got caught, or it can mean, wow, I'm a real loser this time. But there's no change of attitude or heart whatsoever. And this kind of worldly sorrow means there's no repentance, no faith, and the end result is death itself. Repentance means willingness to change from one's sins and evil ways and to make a full turn into the direction of God's righteousness. The other type is just just a facade, to say it mildly. Final verse, verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, which is the right kind of sorrow, by the way. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So what is the apostle saying? That when godly sorrow came to the Corinthians, that they had quite an exhibition here. They showed the fruit of repentance. They showed it through their zeal, the clearing of themselves, They showed it through indignation, fear, element desire, zeal, and, of course, vindication. In all those things, they proved themselves to be clear in the matter, which is, of course, vindication. Because, as I said earlier, vindication means to be proven right or to be cleared of all charges. Now, our lesson is called Comfort, Godly Sorrow, and Repentance. And our lesson for life is this. To experience God's comfort, it is important to face the truth, repent, and believe. Those who do receive the greatest comfort of all. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you, friends, for liking our page. Also, go to our website where you can sign up for the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles on scripture, victorious Christian living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you. You are the God of all comfort and the Father of mercies, and that, Lord, you want your people to live with comfort, with joy, and with peace. But before that can happen, we have to have godly sorrow. Be sorry for sin, for offending you, for living unrighteously, thinking unrighteously, speaking unrighteously. God, as we turn from the things to you, then Lord, we know we're going to receive the greatest of all comforts. And for this, we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.